Hi! Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're going to hear from a world champion ball hockey goalie, 18-year-old Juliana Thompson, just one goal. She's from Winnipeg. How did that go? How did she get on the team? The whole experience, we'll talk about that on the podcast. Also, Jeff, Ron, and I watch and review Wimbledon before I go to Wimbledon. Next week, that is on the podcast. This past weekend in Slovakia, Canada's women's ball hockey team captured the world title with a 4-2 win over the United States. Helping Canada reach the pinnacle, goaltender Juliana Thompson split time in the crease, went 4-0, allowed one goal. She's 18, she's from Winnipeg, and she joins me now in studio. Juliana, first of all, congratulations how long have you been a goalie, whether it's on the ice or for ball hockey? Uh, I've been a goalie since I was eight, seven or eight years old. What got you into hockey in the first place? Um, I just signed up because it's what every kid kind of signs up for when they're younger. So, mm-hmm. What part of the city? Uh, did I start playing hockey? Yeah. I started in St. Boniface. And where are you now? St. James. Okay. And were you always a goalie? Um. I was I was a player, and then but I was always like obsessed with being a goalie. So I s- tried to be a goalie as soon as I could. Why was that? Um, well, I don't I don't really know actually. I was just really drawn to it, and I was also I could never shoot very well. Okay. So I was like, I guess I'll go goalie. Because it takes a certain type of person to want to be hit by a, a fast puck. <laughs> yeah. I know I I played ball or road hockey goalie. I wasn't very good, but it, I was always kind of afraid of a tennis ball. I can't imagine a puck. <laughs> no, no, I just always loved it. Okay, so when did you start playing ball hockey then? Um, I think I first started when I was eleven or twelve. Okay, in a league. Yeah. Okay, and what was the biggest difference at first for you between ice hockey and ball hockey? Um. I think the biggest difference is you can't slide as much in ball hockey, so you have to be more athletic and move faster. Right, because a lot of that drive is from being able to dig into the ice, and in ball hockey, you don't get that. Yeah. So how do you find that lateral movement? What what kind of learning curve was that to be able to move around better? Um, I found that like I've become like really flexible, so I just... M- have started using like my my flexibility to cover like the whole bottom of the net if somebody tries to go around. Okay. Does it give you more time to react in ball hockey? Uh they actually they can shoot the ball really fast in ball hockey and also it curves mm. so you have to react much faster. But I found I react better to faster shots. Okay. How did ball hockey help you with your ice hockey play? I think it's definitely helped me become like a more athletic goalie and help with like my second and third shots. Okay. And have you been playing kind of ice hockey in the winter, ball hockey in the summer for the last number of years? Yeah, I've been. And then uh, last year I started playing ball hockey in the winter too. Okay. So are you still playing ice hockey? Yeah. Okay. So just a lot of hockey. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, so you got to go to Europe to play in the World Ball Hockey Championship. First of all, what was the process like in getting on Team Canada for that? So I was supposed to go to women's nationals for ball hockey, but I ended up having um, a Hockey Canada camp, so I couldn't go there. But I went to the boys' U-17 ball hockey nationals, and I was scouted there. And then... Um, 
sometime in last summer they contacted me and asked me if I wanted to play on Team Canada. And you said, of course, <laughs> of course, because you want to, everyone wants to play for Team Canada. Yeah. So were you the youngest player on the team? Yeah, the I was eighteen, and I think the next closest person was twenty five. What was that like? Um, it was definitely a different experience being so much younger, but like they made me feel like really welcome. So I didn't really feel the age gap as much as I thought I would. How old was the oldest player on the team? Uh, my goalie partner was 44 years old. So the two goalies, yeah. one is 44, one is 18. Yeah. What was the level of competition like around the world? Players you from countries that you probably never played against before ice hockey or ball hockey? It was, it was crazy. Like Some of the girls are so good at being able to like deke and like get like a good shot off or like even like shots from the point like are so dangerous like it was it was very high level but you're also playing with a really good team in front of you yeah they they kept they kept like we had very few shots on net they helped out so much they helped out so much like they are 100 percent the reason like we could make it so far and did you expect to win gold going in um I was definitely hoping to win gold, but I did. I don't know what I was expecting when I went in. Okay. So you went to Slovakia. Was it the first time you'd been there? Yeah. And did you get to explore any of the country outside of the game? Um, yeah, I went for like a few walks like around the city that we were in. And then a few girls went on um, a castle tour, so that was pretty nice. Did you go on that tour? No. Did you wish you did? Mm, no, actually, I... I I hung out at the rink, and I learned a lot there, too. So. Okay. For a lot of the other players, it probably wasn't their first time at a world championship? No. For, I think for a few, most of the girls, it was their second or third. Okay. And this is something that you probably want to go back and do again? Yeah, definitely. And next time, it's actually in Canada. So. Okay. Well, that makes it a little easier. Yeah. Did you have family go over with you? No. No. So you're just over there with the players. What was the food like there? Um, It was pretty good. We... Uh, and I had tried as many Slovakian dishes as I could because I like getting like a little taste. But they mm-hmm. also had like a lot of like, I had some Mexican food and a lot of burgers. So. <laughs> just in case you just had taste from home. Yeah. So what's your hockey future look like now as an 18-year-old? Um, well, I'm hoping to continue with uh, Team Canada Ball Hockey for as long as I can. And I uh, go to York University for ice hockey next year. And that's your first year? Yeah. Okay. What are you taking in school? Uh, commerce. Do you know what you want to do? No. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you don't have to yet. Yeah, hopefully. I'll figure it out eventually. So the rest of the summer then, you're just going to be back playing ball hockey here? Yeah, and training for ice hockey. How much time have you spent in Toronto before? Mm, uh, maybe a couple days, but not that long. Are you looking forward to living there? Yeah, it's going to be fun. All right. Well, uh, I appreciate you coming in today. Thank you very much, and congratulations again on the gold medal. Thank you. So this is one of the movies I have seen before, but it was a long time ago. It was out in, I think, 2004. I remember probably catching it on TV in the basement, and I don't remember a whole lot about it, but it's uh, one of the really few tennis movies that we have on the list. Yeah, I'd never I'd never seen it before. I It had maybe crossed my mind for five seconds. I knew Paul Bettany was in it. I didn't know Kirsten Dunst was in it. I mm. would have watched it earlier if I knew she was in it because I like her. I also would have watched it earlier I knew it was a romantic comedy. I thought it was like a drama. You like rom-coms? In this case, I do, especially okay. with uh, Kirsten Dunn. She's one of my favorites. Okay, because when we talked about doing this movie, I instantly remembered it was Paul Bettany and Kirsten Dunst, who I've seen in about two or three movies combined. And I, I don't know much about them other than Kirsten Dunst was in those Spider-Man movies with Tobey Maguire. 
When and that's her worst character. Like this, oh. she's Dullsville in those because they never they don't give her anything to do. True. So she was. I thought she was fun in this because she's just so much more electric than she is. And I saw Spider Man Two last yeah. weekend. It was on and TV. she was twenty one when this movie was filmed. Yeah, I believe it. And Paul Bettany was in his thirties. Paul Bettany, he's also, I think every time I see him in something, is very serious, like in, uh, whatever, the one with Russell Crowe where he wins. You're, you're looking at me, man, I don't a know. Beautiful Mind. He's in A Beautiful <laughs> Mind, which is a serious movie, and then he plays Vision in the Avengers movie, and that guy famously has no sense of humor, so. Yeah. Okay. So this, he was goofily charming in this, so I was not expecting that, and I enjoyed it. All right, that so let's much. set up the plot. It's Wimbledon 2004, or 2003 Wimbledon, and... This guy, Peter Cole, he's a washed-up Brit. He's no good anymore. He's ranked in the hundreds. He's about to retire and take a pro job at some nice country club, but he's got one last shot to give it all at Wimbledon, and he's probably going to suck, but then he meets this lovely young American girl, Kirsten Dunst, who's like the up-and-comer American, and they hit it off right away, and he starts playing better because they're having sex. Most sports movies either fall into one of these two categories with either the young upstart underdogs... Or the old washed-up has-beens, and this movie's got both. The romantic comedy part of it is very predictable. Yeah. That eventually it's going to cause a rift because one of them's going to lose and blame it on the other. That's exactly what happens later on in the film. But before we get to that, let's start with how they met in the first place. He walks into her hotel room, sees her in the shower. She's not freaked out. She's like, oh, hi. You need something? Yeah, I, I'm so sorry. I was given the key to room 1221. This is room 1221. My 1221. Oh, right. Your 1221. Well, that makes perfect sense. What makes perfect sense? Well, you see, I'd I'd reserved a more modest room, and now I'll go down to the front desk and thank them for this dreadful error. And then he eventually finds his own place. They start talking, but her overbearing father's not okay with this. Sam Neill. No, he is not. He's he's, he's the taskmaster. He's like, to be fair, she's 21 and he's 32 or 33 Not great. To be fair, she should be focusing on the tournament. If it was just a regular weekly uh, ATP tournament or something, fine, but it's It's Wimbledon. Wimbledon. (laughs) It's one of the four majors. It's probably the biggest tennis tournament. Yeah. Like, if you're running for office and it's election night, that's not the, you don't make, like, oh, I'm going on a first date with somebody that night. You know what I mean? Also, the road trip they have to his hometown is before the quarterfinals. And I do understand that the middle Sunday they have off which is not mentioned in the movie, but is important to the plot because you're like, wait, they can just go away for a day or two? What day is this? Because you can't lose track of time. Right, we don't know that. But they do, (laughs) the middle Sunday, is there is no action that day at Wimbledon. So that helps explain maybe why they were able to drive away. But also, if it's the middle of the biggest tournament and you're on the Cinderella run, you should probably focus on tennis, maybe? I don't know. Connected to that is this business of... Uh, eating fish and chips or sushi or just whatever's at the cafeteria and having beers and all this weird stuff during the tournament. Don't they like just I would think their diet would be like organized down right. to the calorie, and carb that, and gram And I know fat. that nutrition in 2003 is different than nutrition in 2019. It's not that different. But not that different. <laughs> if it was like 1962 or something like they that. They are still sure. well-oiled machines. It's like he's drinking beer in bed when he's in the middle of this run. That's Especially as a guy, an athlete in his 30s, you think. Also, I want to point out she that could maybe get away with in 2004, easier. 32 is old in tennis. Now, yeah. Federer and Serena Williams both turned 38 this fall. Oh. Novak Djokovic is 32. Rafael Nadal is 33, and they're still at the top of their game. 
So it's a very different concept now. This guy was uh, sort of loosely based on Gorni Venisevich. Kind of. His story's similar. A wild card that makes a run all the yeah. way and, and wins the title and no one expects uh. it. We're ta- we've talked a lot about the, the love part of this story, and that's obviously it's a rom-com, but it's also a sports movie. The tennis is not good because they digitally impose the ball after the fact. Yeah, because, well, they're not tennis players. Right, so what, so what else are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. It's also 2004 technology. So if the, it's like, it doesn't look like he hit the ball there with that swing. It's because he didn't. No, that didn't bother me at all. I thought it looked okay. fine. And I liked how the, the camera work all changed during the matches or whatever. It just got so much more intense. I thought that very, was cool. But the, and I know it's total fiction, but very dramatic how they made the matches. Like, oh, is he going to come back? You can never do a great job of it, but they, I thought they did a decent job of uh, using the right terminology and stuff, but not having to dumb it down and explain it. But but just still, and it's like, I mean, all right, three more points. And I was like, that's what I needed to know. Because well, McEnroe and Everett are there to do that. Yeah, We've I talked a lot about how announcers are like the people that explain things. So they got Hall of Famers to do it, mm-hmm. who are also good broadcasters anyways, right? So. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and McEnroe and Everett are still doing it and yeah. still at the top of their game. But I just like that they, they did all the proper jargon, but then mm-hmm. they also yeah. did the dumb it down. To explain his, it. his inner monologue I thought was really cool. We don't see that a lot in these Yeah, it was movies. like in the, yeah. yeah, it was Bull Durham, Kevin Costner's inner thoughts at the plate. That was <laughs> That's also good. So the, the turning point in any romantic comedy... He sneaks into her room and they have sex and then he, he wins and then she loses and she blames it on him and she's going to fly back home. But then there's this airport interview where uh, Peter Cold is talking about to Mary Carrillo on NBC, which would not be broadcast in England, but that's whatever. It would be on BBC. But, she's watching it like on an iPad too. Some kids well, on, Yeah, but it's on every TV in the oh, airport yeah. and she decides to watch it on the smallest one. And she decides, oh, he actually loves me. And his her dad seems to be okay with it at that point. He was... Like, usually the dad would be just an absolute bad guy in this, but he was actually, aside from making a lot of sense about her training, he was also just a nice guy. Hey, and he was just like, the best of her. Yeah, and he's just like, to the to Paul Bettany, he's just like, look, I'm not holding you, per- I don't have nothing against you, it's just a situation. It's just yeah. like, that's not bad. I also think that uh, we cannot discount that that comet must have been might have been magic in some part. It, it was there was something about that comet that was as soon as it went away, she lost. So right. comet for that, but it also helped them fall in love. So a magic comet definitely had a play also part the line in the breakup scene, and they must have wrote this before they wrote the movie. Love means nothing in tennis zero. It only means you lose. Yeah, that was good. They probably Shoot. were so happy with themselves <laughs> in the writers' room for that one. Uh, but then. He's getting crushed in the match against a kid that was also dating Lizzie and Peter Colt punched out in an elevator and there were no repercussions for that. Uh, With his tennis hand. Yes. And then he's down down two sets to none. And oh, look, it rained. And look who's in the locker room. It's her. Pep talk, he comes back, he wins. And then she says, I love you, even though they met two weeks ago. It's pretty quick. Magic Comet. (laughs) Okay. And I think because we're watching sports movies every second week, we just got to get used to the fact that they're all most so many of them are going to end the same way. There's going to be yeah. a magic halftime talk or whatever. Yeah, he comes back, around. he wins the match, he kisses her in the crowd. Her, by the way, his, his success also reunites his family, which is good. And a very young James McAvoy betting against him all the way. And then he decides to put all the money on Peter Colt to win. I also just this is just a tennis stickler point for me. All England quarterfinal against Tom Cavendish, that's another made up person, yeah. is on some side court. That is on center court 100 times out of 100. Is it all British quarterfinal when no Brit had won the tournament (laughs) since 1936? Come on, man. But then center court's not nearly as big a deal. I mean, it wasn't probably available to shoot except for the one championship scene, which it actually was shot during Wimbledon. 
in 2003 yeah, with actual went, spectators and officials, which is like the only time they'd ever let that happen. Go before. in bef- right before, right after a match, yeah. and pretend that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, just a couple of points here. The the dad, Sam Neil, her dad, leaves his bag unattended at the airport in 2004. Can't do that. Well, that's true. Certainly can't do. And how do you think his dad killed that rabbit? Because he's cooking up a rabbit, and he's like, oh. "It was good. It was eating your garden." And I was just, and I was just like, "Oh, I didn't really give that much thought." I, I was just sitting there wondering, he's like, so he killed a rabbit in the backyard. I wonder how he did that. I was watching this and thinking, you must have loved John Favreau as the agent. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, <laughs> he was cool, and he was the agent for both. Both no, the people playing in the end that cracked me up because he's got a flag from each country. Because John Favreau was a a total goon in the replacements. He was a goon in the replacements. Has he been another any other? No, I think that's it. Also, they uh, brought in little-known tennis players to kind of play against the Stars. And, Makes sense. But there was one player that they rejected, yeah. a 16-year-old named Maria Sharapova, because she looked too much like Kirsten Dunst. Ha! Well, that's just Hollywood for you, though. <laughs> and then she can't ends look up, like the lead. No, then she ends up winning. Maybe, really uh, I think she won Wimbledon a couple years after that. So, overall. Overall, I, I thought this was utterly pleasant. I enjoyed it from beginning to end. Uh, sometimes the sports movies are like super serious, like like the last one we watched, like Friday Night Lights or mm-hmm. whatever. So I don't mind. And sometimes there's just goofy things like Caddyshack or whatever. But right. sometimes they're falling between, and I, I just really enjoyed this. Obviously much more for the rom-com aspects of it than the sports movie aspects of it. So I will give it, uh, ooh, what will I say? I'll, I, I'll actually give this thing seven and a half Comet Tales out of ten. I was going to give it 6.8 absurd diving volleys out of 10. (laughs) Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell. Or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck. But Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?